from the headquarters of Ramsey Solutions, broadcasting from the Pods Moving and Storage Studio. It's the Ramsey Show, where debt is dumb, cash is king, and the paid-off home mortgage has taken the place of the BMW as the status symbol of choice. We help people build wealth, do work that they love, and create actual, real, amazing relationships. Life as it's supposed to be done. We invite your calls today. Ken Coleman, Ramsey personality, number one best-selling author and host of the Ken Coleman Show, where he talks about work and about career every day, is here as my co-host today on the Ramsey Show. Open phones at 888-825-5225. The call is free, and some say the advice is worth exactly what you pay for it. 888-825-5225. Lynn is with us. Lynn is in Tulsa, Oklahoma. How are you, Lynn? I'm great. How are you? Better than I deserve. What's up? So uh, several months ago, my kids and I and my husband were in a car accident, in an accident, and we are getting a settlement. My kids especially are going to be getting uh, a good settlement. And I'm wondering, what is the best way to go about saving that? Okay. Um, are, are they, um, is everybody okay? Yeah. Good. Yeah. Um, good. I'm glad. So there's, is there any ongoing medical need or uh, future surgeries that we need to set money aside for? Surprisingly, no. Good. Okay. All right. And so what is the, uh, what do you think the size of this is going to be? What have they indicated? Um, my youngest child is going to be getting a, about 100000 and then we have, about 50,000 in medical bills for him for him and then the other kids it's going to be a couple thousand okay for them but is he is he got a permanent situation from this or no it was just um when it happened my kids like my kids are here because it wasn't their time to go like i believe that and we were really Yeah, we were really blessed. It was an auto. It was a pedestrian auto accident, um, and my kids were. We were the pedestrians, mm-hmm. and. Um, but your baby had, got a hundred. Uh, had fifty thousand dollars in medical bills, but is completely healed. Yes. Wow! Thank you, Lord. It, okay. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to the world, but I know it wasn't his time to go. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I'm more than comfortable with that, and I'm also glad for him and you. Yeah, this is, but I just I'm thinking about how to allocate the money. So the p- bottom line is, we don't need to allocate the money for anything. You've already covered the fifty thousand in medical bills, or the fifty is coming um, out of this hundred. That's coming out of the hundred. Okay, all right, and the others are going to get a, a handful of dollars. All right, now yeah, this is coming through an attorney in a settlement process, I assume. Correct. Okay. In more cases than I like, the court will dictate to you what you can invest this in. I don't like it because I think the parent should be allowed to decide what to invest for their own child instead of the judge being the parent. But a lot of judges will take the position that the parents are idiots, and so they must be prote- they must be the child must be protected from their idiot parents' investment. Um, I disagree with that on a lot of levels, um, morally, legally, and everything else, but it doesn't matter. The judge may tell you you have to put it in something stupid like just a CD. It may not even keep up with inflation if you do that, okay? If you have the option, this child's not going to need this money until they're grown. 
No, he's not. And then I would set the money aside in a mutual fund. I'd get with a smart investor pro and pick a series of mutual funds. It's how I invested my own kids' money that I invested for their college, so why wouldn't I invest this kind of money there? Where it came from okay. doesn't matter. What matters is that they don't need it for 20 years or so. And what matters is that, um, you know, we, we need to outpace inflation, right? Right. And it's, I'm, I know, you know, with interest, hopefully, you know, he'll have a good chunk when he's 18 because he's only two now. So he mm-hmm. has several years. Mm-hmm. And so I'm trying to also figure out how to best teach him to use it wisely so he doesn't turn, you know, get it when he's a certain age and then be dumb. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't, number one, don't let him be surprised that it's there. Um, it's mm-hmm. like sex. Don't wait till they're 20 to tell them. Exactly. Because they'll mess the whole thing up, you know? And so we need to talk about it age appropriately. We don't slam a three-year-old with too much information, right? Right. But we do teach a three-year-old something's happening, right? There's something there. And so money, we're going to teach the kid how to handle money because we expect them to have some. By the way, we're going to do that with all your kids. This is what rich people exactly. do. They teach kids how to handle money age appropriately. We don't make the five-year-old go to the salt mines, but we do teach them to work because they need to call Ken Coleman for a career later, yeah. right? That's right. Absolutely. And I think, you're, I think yeah. Dave, I think this is great advice too, is as you walk him along and the others, uh, you know, at some point they may talk and he got more of a settlement than they did. So I think this is, you know, telling everybody and the, and the kids, this is not some big secret. Mm. This was something that happened because what you don't want is resentment mm-hmm. uh, to grow either. So I mm-hmm. think this is probably need to be more uh, transparent than, than normal. It's the only way extra conversations and extra communication shut down uh, all kinds of things because this a horrible event and is a, is a part and, and the survival of it, mm-hmm. The miraculous survival of it is uh, part of your family story now, yeah. and so we're going to exactly. tell that, we're going to tell that story, not to continually bring up trauma, but it's, um, it's God's hand on our life, yeah. and it's part of the story. Yeah. It's part of who we are at our house, and part of it was little one got hurt worse and got more money, and that's just the way life worked. And so, yeah, you go ahead and talk about that. I wouldn't surprise the siblings either that he's getting some money when he gets there or she gets there. Right. We've already told him, you know, we're, you guys will be getting some money, but we're not. Yeah, we don't need to talk it, about like, it. Look, we didn't talk about what the Ramsey net worth was until our kids were grown and we started talking about estate planning with them. Uh, you know, like when they were in college, we started talking about it. But we, you know, they knew we had some money, but I didn't want them running around school going, my dad has a bigger net worth than your dad. In the community we live in, that's kind of a thing. So, um you know, I, I, yeah, I just want them to think, you know, we're just working stiffs. And uh, we are working stiffs. We just did really well. And so I wanted, but I wanted them to feel the responsibility of it after I had built their character on saving, giving, working, spending wisely throughout their whole years. So by the time I turned this on them and we started the meeting with, as for me and my house, we serve the Lord. So this is actually a responsibility to manage God's resources for his glory. It is not you hit the lotto. And exactly. so when they see the number, they actually kind of felt the weight of the number uh, instead of, uh, woohoo, I, I can be in a reality show now because yeah, I'm, right. I'm stupid and my parents have money. And so, you know, uh, that kind of stuff, right? And so they didn't, they didn't have that reaction, and none of my three did. But again, it was a gradual, increased process through the years. So I would invest it in mutual funds, and I would, you know, just 
age appropriately, begin to reveal that it's there to where by the time we get there, you're not afraid he's going to go crazy or she's going to go crazy and head off to the Caribbean and do cocaine or something because he suddenly got a bunch of money. I mean, it's just, you know, we're going to fix all this ahead of time. So my friend Andy Andrews says we're not raising kids to be great kids. We're raising kids to be great adults. And that's really the target here. That's where we're going. I want to tell you a true story. I got a letter from Fran in Virginia once. She and her husband, Gary, were loaded down with debt. They decided to get serious and worked for over two years to pay off $65,000. They were able to buy their dream home. Gary had just started a new job and things were looking really good. Six months later, Gary unexpectedly died. Wow. Tears my heart out. Besides the grief and shock, Fran had no income, was on her own, and her Social Security benefits couldn't pay the mortgage. Talk about feeling lost and alone. The only good part of this story is that Gary had term life insurance through Xander. So Fran was able to deal with her grief without being overwhelmed with money issues. Sad story, but I share it with you to make a point. For over 25 years, I've been telling you about the importance of term life insurance and protecting your family. Having life insurance is what responsible people do for their families. It's why I tell you every day to go to Xander.com or call them at 800-356-4282. Ken Coleman, Ramsey, personality, number one best-selling author, is my co-host today. Every time you hear someone do their debt-free scream on this show... It's because at some point they finally said, I've had it enough. I'm not living like this anymore. When you get mad like that and uh, do what they did, your life changes. Right now with inflation, recession, gas prices, your stupid credit cards, your ridiculous student loans, you start to believe you're not in control. Well, you are in control. You have to decide to take control of what you can control, and that is, by the way, you, the person in your mirror. You have the power to change your future, and Financial Peace University is how we show you that you can do it. This course will teach you the proven step-by-step plan that's helped nearly 10 million people get out of debt, master budgeting, become wealthy, and outrageously generous. Change your family tree, and you can do this. Stop letting debt and money stress control your life. Say that. Say it. I've had it. Say enough. Enough. Take back your control. Start Financial Peace University at RamseySolutions.com slash enough. RamseySolutions.com slash enough. Our question today comes from Blinds.com. They have a 100% satisfaction guarantee. That means even if you mismeasure, you mess up, and I have, or pick the wrong color, they'll remake your blinds for free. You get free samples, free shipping, new promos all the time, and uh, they run them all the time. Just use the Ramsey, use Ramsey as your promo code. It's magic. The promo code is Ramsey. Blinds.com. Today's question comes from Tom in New York. With the growing cost of living here in the New York City area, I thought it was a good time to ask my manager for a raise. The day after our meeting, they offered me a 7% raise, and I was ecstatic. An hour later, they backtracked and said my raise would actually be only 3%. I'm grateful for the raise, but this backtracking on the amount felt like a slap in the face. Should I just be grateful, or should I try to negotiate? 
Oh, Dave, this is uh, some type of leadership fail here it's on called some piss level. poor leader. Yeah, this is just really bad. I don't think it's a slap in the face, Tom. I think it's a gut punch, and that's normal to feel that way. Um, I don't think you can renegotiate here because I think this is a clear sign of a leadership error. Somebody spoke out of their hat um, <laughs> and they couldn't deliver what they said they were going to deliver. Their so hat. Yeah, that's, yeah. Right. that's what they did. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to choose the uh, G-rated uh, option yeah, for today's to show. bleep you out of our own show. <laughs> exactly. That's family-friendly, folks. Uh, but I, I don't think renegotiation is the option here. I'll tell you what I would do. I want to know why. I, that's what I would do. I think you got to sit down and go, hey, listen. Uh I feel like I've been kicked in the gut, and I, I just want to know what happened between the time you told me seven and, and an hour later when you told me three. I think that's fair to ask um, yeah. because I don't I'm know that you're going to be, I'm not trying to be ungrateful. I'm not trying to be a jerk, but, yeah. I mean, put yourself in my shoes. Wouldn't you feel a little weird about that? So I feel a little weird about it. I want to know, mm-hmm. during that hour, did I do something wrong? No, I probably didn't. So what right. happened? Okay, yeah, exactly. what's going on? Well, I, I, I overspoke, and my boss slapped me down and made me – you know, maybe 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 drop it to three because I didn't really have the budget to do it. Okay, that's helpful mm-hmm. to at least have that experience. That's correct and, and information, right? I mean, and so it still doesn't change it all together. You're still getting the same amount of money, but you know, if you know why, then that makes a lot of difference. I think that's incredible advice there because it's the gut punch. It's still there, but if you know what happened and you understand that sometimes people make mistakes and they wanted to give it to you, I would be grateful in this situation. Mm-hmm. I would be grateful for the three percent if it's a legitimate reason. Uh, but if you got some to move bureaucratic, on. yeah, that would bother me. Butthole answer. I'm looking for a job. Hundred percent. Because like, here's what happens. There. We just you, don't do that. Right. You know. Well, yeah. We don't, we don't give people 7% raises. Uh, wait a minute, you did. You said it. That's correct. <laughs> and that's the difference between being valued and an organization. A healthy leader is going to go, I blew it, dude. I actually blew it. Well, you know? they should have said that with the They should have on the 3%. Yeah. They, should, they should have not done it to start with, but, uh, right. you know, because uh, you done stepped in it, dude. It is 7%. And that's what would happen here. I'm, I might kick the leader's butt that made the mistake. But uh, but the guy's getting his seven because we told him he's getting his seven. Oh, I was going to ask you, how would you handle that no, situation? I mean, uh, you know, unless we didn't have the money. Right. If we simply didn't have the money. But if it's just a bozo thing, then, you know, leader leaders, you know, I had one of our leaders, um, we, you know, we, we teach that, it, you know, if you're going to confront someone, you talk. Talk to them about the things they're doing right. We talk about this behavior that's wrong, and then we talk about things that they're doing right. A sandwich, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an old one-minute manager thing, right? And um, uh, you know, and, and so you know, you want to you want to call it a, a whatever a sandwich, right? So, uh, and uh, one of our leaders was fairly new, and I just went in and I said, "Look, that sucked. Don't do that again." And he goes, "Where's the sandwich?" <laughs> And I went, well, you're a leader. You get no bread. You That's just get the meat. Funny. That's funny. <laughs> That's where's if you're, the sandwich? If you're a leader, you get you just get the information, right? But it, you like know, that. I'll give you the sandwich if I'm leading a subordinate. But I mean, you're, you're you just screwed this up, and you're supposed to be acting like you run the place. So, oh my God. But yeah, that's uh, so you're eating the seven percent out of your budget, yeah, and uh, in your area, and we're going to figure it out. But if if not, if there's absolutely no money, and it was truly uh, a financial error that has to be changed, then you've at least got to learn how to uh, to explain something like this. It doesn't make it that much better. But it makes it, it does. It makes it a lot better. Yeah, it does. A, a solid reason humans will listen to. Yes. 
honesty to say i messed up i messed up and here's what happened Mm -hmm. and here's what you know and i got you know my boss took my freaking head off when i went in there because i messed this up i overstepped my bounds Mm -hmm. and it's so it's on me it's my fault you own it and you know that that's just like human this quick leadership lesson here folks uh, with what dave just said if you as a leader don't own everything and give them all the details that you can possibly give them meaning you leave it as a vacuum in their mind they will fill it with their own narrative and that's where it becomes toxic and dangerous you as the leader got to make sure that the narrative is correct yeah when in doubt people don't believe positive things without information they immediately believe negative i agree so these companies that their communication is mushroom communication keep everybody in the dark and feed them manure it (laughs) it doesn't work no it doesn't work that's corporate america though all right, Kimberly is with us. Kimberly is in Tucson. Hi, Kimberly. How are you? Hi, Dave. I'm doing great. How are you? Better than I deserve. How can I help? Great. Hey, so I am in baby step number two. I have $56,000 of student loans and a car payment that I've been paying off very quickly, um, putting anywhere from 1500 to $2,000 a month towards my debt. And I'm trying to pull all of the levers to get me out of debt in the next two years. And one of the options I have is to get a roommate for my um, spare bedroom. And so I haven't been in a roommate situation for about, uh, I don't know, seven, eight years now. And so I'm wondering if, like, what is the best way for me to manage my finances um, for this split? And what I was calculating yesterday was based off of the last three months of rent plus the utilities. The average cost would be fifteen seventy a month for um, for all in total, and so divided by two um, would leave me seven eighty. But I felt like it was fair to drop it down to seven hundred because I have an office in the house. Um, so I'm using more room of the house and I also have the carport, which is a luxury in Tucson, Arizona. Um, so I'm wondering really, my question is, should I go down the path of lumping the utilities in, um, to the rent as a, you know, and advertise this, um, spare bedroom as $700 utilities included, or should I do a rent price and then split utilities every month with the um roommate i would do including utilities as long as when you look at the place where you're going to advertise it that that's what other people are doing okay and here's why here's exactly why. what i saw too yeah. Yeah. here's why as long as the 700 dollars doesn't change nothing changes here but every month the utilities change and when that price goes up the price goes down the price goes up the price goes down and you have to go through this additional collection procedure every single month yeah you're kind of giving them a reason to reevaluate every month whether they stay yeah I, I, i'm kind of good with them getting bored yeah and it's a little bit higher on the emotional side of yep. the whole you gotta you gotta deal with so. you gotta do it with two or three collections i mean or instead of just the rent you gotta also collect your portion of water your portion of the gas your portion of whatever it, and so it's just a lot cleaner a lot simpler a lot less stress on everybody a little more boring and I would do that.
Ken Coleman, Ramsey personality, number one best-selling author of Paycheck Purpose, is my co-host today in the lobby of Ramsey Solutions on the debt-free stage. Josh and Ashley are with us. Hey, guys, how are you? We're doing great, Dave. How are you doing? Better than we deserve, brother. Welcome. Where do you guys live? We're from Burgestown, Pennsylvania, which is right outside of Pittsburgh. Awesome. Very cool. So how much debt have you guys paid off? We had $147,500 that we paid off. Love it. How long did this take you? It took us nine years. Wow. All right. And your range of income during that time? With overtime and bonuses, we started in the 80s, and now we're between 100 and 150. Okay. Way to go, guys. Very good job. All right. And what kind of debt was the 148000 It was our house. Hey, look at it, weird people. <laughs> wow. No payments in the world. How's that feel? It feels great. <laughs> I can't imagine. How old are you two? I'm 33. I'm 34. All right. And you have a paid-for house. That's right. What's yep. the house worth? We bought it. It was worth 150 and it's hard to say what it's worth now. Okay. But you bought it like nine years ago. Yeah. So it's yeah. probably worth four yeah. or 500 uh, It's definitely up a few bucks at this point. So. Yeah, definitely. Okay. You don't even care because you're not selling it. That's so right. There you go. <laughs> All right. Good. Way to go, you guys. Way to go. So tell us, what, what do you guys do for a living? I'm an operations supervisor for a midstream natural gas company. Mm-hmm. I'm a mom and good. a wife. <laughs> I love it. Very good. Good for you guys. Household I, executive. I like it. That works for me. I knew you were going to say that. So the uh, 148,009 years, tell us how this all got started. How'd you get introduced to this whole Ramsey stuff? So... Before I was an operations supervisor, I was an instrument electrical technician, and I was on my way to a call-out, and I was scrolling through channels, and you were on the college station, and that was the beginning of everything. Okay. So you heard us squawking about this on the radio. That's right. And you said, uh, wait a minute, maybe I could pay this off. Yep. So bought the books, and then uh, not too long after that, we went and did FPU. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, actually, you just were along for the ride, or you did you uh, push back against this, or was it all your idea, and he's just making it like it's his? It was not my idea, no. <laughs> I am the free spirit. Okay. Um, but I am the first one to cut up my credit card. Ah. Out of the two of us. <laughs> ah, she wins that contest. Yeah, there you go. Okay, I'll show you. <laughs> so, when he comes home, and he starts, <laughs> starts talking about Dave and the show and all this stuff, and he paints the picture, what do you think it's going to do for you guys, how quickly did you jump on board, at least from, okay, this makes sense, to, all right, I'm going to be the first one to cut the card? Um, I don't know. I, I think at first I was, even after I cut the card, I was kind of really frustrated with him over the whole budget thing. I can remember... Our first two budget meetings, I cried. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> was it the process that made you cry or the uh, taskmaster there beside you? The taskmaster. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. 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 It's too a flaw. There we go. <laughs> too, too much truth. Right I like it. I love it. That's fun. That's fun. Because that, that, the first budget committee meetings are emotionally, they're gut-wrenching. Because yeah. you're A, you're having to look at all your stuff. And it's like, man, did we screw up some stuff? And man, have we got some opportunity to to go win here? And then you got to start going, ah, man, we got to cut back, and I got to watch this, and it's all your fault. And man, it, you can have some of the biggest fights of your entire marriage in those first two budget meetings, and uh, that's a very real thing. That's a very real thing. Oh. So, but you guys push through. Here you are, nine years later, and boom, house is paid for. Yep. Was it worth it? It was totally worth it. Yes. Yeah. 
Will you go back in debt? No, that's not the plan at all. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite part, I think, is the peace part, the financial peace part. Mm. I think that's my favorite part. You do kind of relax in a place you didn't even realize was hurting. You know, and you go, wow, I I didn't realize I was carrying around 300 pounds until I set it down. I, I, you said one time that, that some people have a security organ, and I tell him all the time I have a security organ. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. It's very real. And, um, yeah, financial peace, two words that don't go together, like airline service. You know, it's uh, pretty incredible. Well, I'm proud of you guys. What do you tell people the key to getting out of debt is? The budget was huge. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it was a it was a crazy ride through the end. The last year was just pretty wild. Mm-hmm. Um, we started off on a pretty paved surface. Uh, we had uh, just had baby number four, and then I got promoted, mm-hmm. and I finished my bachelor's degree. All right. And we work for I work for an awesome company. We say we because it's a package deal. Mm-hmm. But uh, we had just taken six weeks of paternity leave, mm-hmm. paid for. So very cool stuff. And what's we, your what's your what'd you get your degree in? Uh, engineering management. Oh, wow. Very good. So, Very good. But we came back off of uh, paternity leave, and uh, we found out that uh, Ashley had stage four cancer. Oh, so, my. Oh, no. So we didn't even do a budget for about four months while we were working through the early stages of that, but we had been so disciplined and used to doing it that uh, we knew what we could spend. Mm-hmm. We had an emergency fund. We had our family, our friends, our church, and our work family taking care of us and supporting us, and we were able to keep on going, and then uh, things started turning around there, and then very unexpectedly, we uh, lost my dad in January. Oh, my so, gosh. Wow. It's a tough run on the end there. You're right. So, How are you doing now, Ashley? I'm good. Um, I will forever always have treatment, mm-hmm. um, but it was actually, I say this, and people kind of look at me weird, but like... It was actually really cool. <laughs> there was a period of time where I didn't get out of bed. Mm-hmm. Um, would you say like six weeks? Thereabouts. Um, but I never thought that I would get to be where I'm at now. I'm kind mm-hmm. of back to where, maybe not necessarily back to where I was before, but close to back to what I was mm-hmm. before. Wow. So, yeah. Wow. It's pretty cool. It's a great recovery. Yeah. Praise God. Good stuff. Okay. Really cool. I like, so, the, I like the end of the story better. Yeah. <laughs> and so to tout the plan, if you really want to test your uh, financial game plan, mm-hmm. get cancer and see where you're at on the other side. Yeah. <laughs> so that'll, uh, that'll, che- that'll mm. check everything out for sure. Wow. Well, what an incredible story, you two. You're amazing. We're proud of you. Well done. Well done. Excellent, excellent job. All right. Bring the kiddos up. We've got a copy mm-hmm. of Baby Steps Millionaires for you. How ordinary people built extraordinary uh, extraordinary wealth, and now you can too. And of course, you're gonna. Uh, that'll be the next chapter in you guys' story. We've also uh, got a uh, additional membership for one year to Financial Peace University. Maybe give that away since you've been through it. I don't care. Go back through it. Good for us either way. And uh, total money makeover is there for you to give away as well. So we all those gifts. What are your kids' names and ages? Go ahead. Dan. Oh, we can't hear them. Oh, you're gonna have to tell us. This You're is have Hannah. Mm-hmm. She's nine. Mm-hmm. This is Caleb. He's five. Mm-hmm. Elsie, she's seven. Mm-hmm. And Levi's 18 months. All right. Very good. <laughs> All right. Josh and Ashley and the gang from Pennsylvania. I love it. 148000 paid off in nine years, making 80 to 150 Count it down. Let's hear a debt-free scream. Three, two, 
<laughs> Ready? One, two, three. We're debt free! <laughs> Woo! Some help in the countdown. Yeah, little Levi had a, had another idea there. He's like, wait a second, I want to say something. I got something to say here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Well, I'll tell you what, life is going to happen to you mm. anyway. That's the truth. So you might as well be on a plan to prosper while you're doing it and to put yourself in a position to uh, not have to worry about money while you're fighting stage four. Oh, so my true. God. I mean, that's amazing she came back from that. Really true. That's yeah. pretty strong. That peace allows you to focus on what you need to to persevere. But when you got money problems and then life throws the extra problems at you, it only compounds. And this is a wonderful example of that. That's exactly right. That's how it works. I mean, this idea that, you know, it's that Forrest Gump thing, one less thing to worry about. You know, true. it's uh, you got to really have a whole way, a whole different way of viewing this stuff, and um, this freedom gives you every bit of that. Proud of those guys; they're yeah, heroes, man. Family. Took control of their life. Nine years the wow. struggle goes on, but they're a hundred percent debt free, house and everything, and the other side of a cancer fight. Yeah. Wow! This is the Ramsey Show. best-selling author and host of the Ken Coleman Show. Ramsey Personality is my co-host today. You know, every time you hear someone do their debt-free scream, it's because at some point they said, enough! I'm not living like this anymore! I've had it! You have to have that moment where you say, that's it! Enough! And when you get mad like that, that's when you're getting ready to change your life. Inflation, stupid credit cards, gas prices, it's killing you. And you, it may be your time right now to rise up and say enough. You know, you have to decide to control what you can control, and that's you, your behavior. You have the power to control and change your future. Financial Peace University is where we have shown 10 million people how to do that. And it's a proven step-by-step plan, and you, know, you want to get out of debt, get on a budget, build wealth, be outrageously generous, learn about investing. It's the class you should have taken in high school, but you didn't. So now it's time to be sick and tired of being sick and tired. Say, that's it. I've had enough. I'm done. Go to RamseySolutions.com slash enough. RamseySolutions.com slash enough and get yourself into Financial Peace University. Bill is with us. Bill is in San Antonio, except that's not the line. There it is. Bill's in San Antonio. Hey, Bill, how are you? Better than I deserve, sir. How are you? Just the same. How can we help? Okay, so to keep it short, I am 28. I'm a software developer with a household income of about 5000 a month. My wife is 25 and is a full-time grad student. We are on baby step three, so we're completely debt-free. 
However, we are currently cash flowing my wife's final year of grad school, so we don't have that much saved. Uh, here's my question. I'd like to go back to school myself and change careers, however, to a career that would pay significantly less money than I'm currently earning. Um, I'd like to pursue pastoral ministry. It is a passion and a calling I felt for over a decade, and I've been deeply involved in the local church since uh, throughout the time. However, I'm very deeply concerned with how I'd support a wife and any future kids we might have on a pastor's salary. So how do I prepare financially to be a minister with a family? Hmm. Lots of pastors I know make 60000 and more. Yeah. I think you've created yeah, worried, a, like, what, what are you worried about specifically? Um, how much, how limited we would be, whether we'd be able to uh, pay for home or for our kids' uh, college expenses in the future um, if we're only making 60 or something close to that. You're making 60 now. You said you make 5000 a month. Uh, right, but we don't have any kids right now. And we don't, and we're only renting. We're like, we don't have significant expenses right now. Well, uh, Bill, let me give you a real life scenario here. Um, I just, uh, over the weekend, was uh, back in uh, the Hampton Roads, Virginia area, visiting my mom and dad for my brother's uh, daughter's wedding and just reveling in the living room late uh, on Saturday night with my mom and dad about 47 years of ministry. My dad recently retired. He never made more than $40,000 a year. My brother and I both went to college. My mom and dad have paid their house off. It's been paid off for 20 years. It's a false Mm. narrative that you can't raise kids and help send your kids to college by being a pastor. And my dad pastored small churches. So, um, you know, your income ability uh, in multiple positions within ministry, multiple Okay, uh, can easily make sixty, and uh, I think Dave can make the case that you can do everything you want to do for your family with your family making sixty. Hmm. I'm just giving you a real life scenario. That's really helpful. Yeah. yeah, I know that the the compensation could be extremely variable. I talked to one pastor who was making as little as thirty or thirty five. Um, okay, hold on, sure. hold on, hold on, hold on. What was his scenario? What was his situation? Uh, he was a full-time pastor in Philadelphia. Of how big of a church? That I don't know. I can guarantee it's very small. Mm-hmm. So you're choosing the extreme edge here uh, to kind of validate your fear. And if I could just challenge you, uh, this is what you feel called to. And, if, and I'm not going to question that. But if you mm-hmm. believe that you're called to ministry, then you also believe that God will provide what you need. And at some point, you're going to have to uh, choose faith over fear. You know this. You can preach on yep. it. Absolutely. And, um, yeah, and two other pieces of information. 80% of people in, um, in America today that are pastors are bivocational. Mm-hmm. They work two jobs. And so your days of uh, being a software engineer are probably not over. Um, Hmm. I know lots and lots of pastors. Uh, Financial Peace University has been taught in over 50,000 churches now. So we've got an intimate look at the finances of the pastors, the finances of the churches for three decades now. And the vast majority of them make over $60,000 a year. 
uh, in a church of you know reasonable size. But if you're going to pastor 45 people or 100 people, you're not going to make any money. Uh, but if you're going to grow a church and have a ministry that has some impact on you know a, a larger number of people than that, then you're going to get yourself in a position reasonably to make a decent income. And at any time you want to add to it, then you can um, just you know pick up some software development stuff, some software engineering stuff, and you've got that skill set. The second thing I would add to this is um, education is always not always education in your chosen field that is applicable. Continued personal growth is always a good idea, and so a pastor who continues to study doctrine, theology, Greek, Hebrew, and so on. Uh, is a good idea throughout the rest of your life. Uh, but there are many movements in within the evangelical circles that do not require a degree at all to pastor. Mm-hmm. I know many, many pastors of substantial churches who are great theologians who never darken the door of a seminary except to go speak to them occasionally. Uh, and so the re- requirement to have a seminary degree in order to be a pastor is simply not there. Mm-hmm in the marketplace that you're in. Is it preferable that you're knowledgeable? You bet. I would add to that, I think you ought to go to Israel and actually see where the Bible happened and walk around on those spots before you preach a sermon. It would really change the whole world for you. I did I did that late in my faith walk and it changed everything in the way I read and saw the Bible and the way I teach the Bible. And so, yeah, you, you know, there's a lot to the whole thing of gathering up information and knowledge in your faith, but the requirement of an expensive seminary degree to make $35,000 a year is simply not real. That's not true. So you can start pastoring now, and you can add your formal education as you go along, and, you know, if you pick up an extra 40000 bucks on top of your current income and start pastoring now bivocationally, then start adding some classes in, grow your ministry. Over time, you're making sixty, hundred. It's not that unusual at all. You're ministering to five hundred or a thousand people. Uh, not that unusual at all. And uh, that's you know that there, there's a whole lot of need for that in America today, and uh, for men and women that do that kind of thing. So um, and yes, seminary is a good idea. I'm not, I'm not trashing education. I don't do that. But but you know one of the things you talk about, Ken, is is it a requirement to enter the space? And the answer is no here. It's not. And and realistically, you know, you need to be thinking about what is my entry point? Because there's lots of different ways you could go. I will tell you, unless you have a specific heart to plant a church, meaning to start a church from scratch, which let me just tell you, that pain, is the hardest pain. thing in the world to do. Let me just tell you, it is. Uh, my dad did it twice. Uh, but you may serve yourself well by getting in on a staff and and learning ministry from a terrific leader above you and 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 taking your time to move up. So a lot of this right now needs to be where do you see yourself 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the line in ministry? Is it a parachurch organization, which is just as much ministry as a traditional church? These are the questions I'd like you to figure out right now by hanging out with people that are doing ministry in those roles, and then you'll get verification on where you want to go and then the best way to get there. Yeah, if you could get on staff somewhere now, you could contract your software engineering and work I think that's a great job. idea. Work it as a full-time job. Yeah. It'd be very possible. Yeah, a lot of options there, dude. A lot of options, a lot of ways to get at it. Thanks for being a listener. Thanks for calling in. This is The Ramsey Show. Hey. 
Hey folks, Ken Coleman here. Did you know The Ramsey Show is one of the most popular podcasts in the world? Get your daily dose of advice on life and money. Check out all of our shows from The Ramsey Network wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, it's James, producer of The Ramsey Show. This episode is over, but check the episode notes for links to products and services you heard about during this episode. Thanks for listening.